Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, co-host of Through the Keyhole, an Oklahoma Sooners fan podcast. We welcome your support at patreon.com slash through the keyhole. And uh, would also appreciate it if you left a rating and review wherever it is that you get your podcasts out there. But uh, we got a special free episode. It's an annual tradition during the uh, Red River rivalry game. Bomani Jones joining us to talk OU Texas. Bo, what's up, man? Hey, man. Doing all right. Doing all right. Glad to talk to you. Yeah, definitely, man. I'm glad to hear you're still uh, out and about, still kicking. Yeah, I'm still doing that. And like I said, I give you my uh, – this is like my one Texas football indulgence that I still do because they decided to make a fool of themselves over that damn song, and I had to get <laughs> off that narcotic. But this, like, they're an actually interesting team this year, and this is an interesting game on a number of levels. Like, I can't think of one – where the two teams were coming into the game in similar situations, like not just for this season, but as it's looked for the last insert number of seasons here. And it all comes together with this one where like, OU plucky undefeated upstart is like, I'm <laughs> yeah. not, I, I don't know if I've ever, I, I actually, no, I do know the last time we put all those words together in a sentence and they won a national championship. Yeah, no doubt. Right. I mean, you know, we're talking about like uh, this, this does have a little bit of a feel to uh, that game in 2000, which turned into kind of a, a bloodbath for the, in favor of the Sooners, but you know, I'm trying to, you know, be that a little was, humble here. That you know. was in a, like, a, Oh my God, what just happened here, guys? I didn't know I, this was possible. That was one of those seasons too, where I kept being like, okay, well, I mean, this has been fun, but you know, next week is, going to be you know and, and like that was kind of kicked it off though when i looked at it and I, I heard bob stoops actually was talking about this week he said like he's like i'm in the middle of the second quarter and i look up the scoreboard and i, I i'm on the headset with our coaches i'm like guys we might actually be pretty good <laughs> you know and they went on as i recall that year that team what i thought was underrated about them was they faced a monstrous run like Monster. it was like a Tex- it was like a texas kansas state um, nebraska Nebraska, they had to play Kansas State again in the championship yeah. game, the Texas A&M game, which, as I recall, is the one, like, that's the test game that you always Yeah, exactly, have, right. right. And, then, and that was still a pretty decent or at least a talented Texas A&M sort of team. But in terms of a team having to earn its money in the regular season to get to where they got in the end, and then beating, you know, that was the last great Florida State team, and beating them 14-2 to two in the Orange Bowl. Like, that, yeah. that is not – probably not one of the six or seven most talented teams that Stoops had, but never had a better season. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, I mean, they still had the remnants. Mike Leach had already moved on, but they still had the remnants, kind of the air raid being a new thing and everything. And you know, now uh, air raid is what everybody's doing. <laughs> so you know, you got to look for some new stuff. Right, and that was also the good that John Blake did was still there. Ooh, yeah, man. I was somebody. We were talking about this the other day about like because Brent Venables is actually recruiting really well so far. You know, they were saying, okay, well, so how does he stack up with other coaches in terms of recruiter? And they start talking about Barry Switzer, whatever. And I was like, you guys, you guys, hold on, hold on. Like, you do not understand what a monster John Blake was on the recruiting trail. A monster. Blake's a different animal, man. Like when Blake got to Carolina, you know, yeah, the the problems came on the back end, certainly. But John Blake was not so much getting guys, I don't think, because he could get them money. If that was just <laughs> part of the John Blake package, but John Blake just got guys. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. He was a he was a monster, man. So yeah, but you know, you mentioned like this is the first time, I can't believe this, but it's the first time since 2011 that both these teams have been undefeated coming into the game, right? And I mean it seems to have a lot of heat to it, but one of the kind of like the more interesting interpretations and taking the long view of this is that like OU and Texas at this moment are on similar trajectories, but the difference right now is that Texas is essentially a year ahead just based on how they made the coaching switch. Right. So, I mean, I mean, does that seem fair to you is, is, I mean, or is like, are there bigger concerns here for Oklahoma? I mean, what do you think? No, I think we're going to see what happens with Oklahoma. Basically, what was good enough recruiting everywhere else can make you the number seven team in the SEC, right? right? Like this is, I think, the question that's going to come down for everybody and just kind of like across the board, what is your talent level? And right now, Texas looks like it has a higher talent level as it stands. But the thing about OU going in the SEC that I've thought about is, I mean, OU basically historically has had a recruiting strategy that's not terribly different than Tennessee, we don't right. play in a state that produces that many players. We're going to have to go everywhere to get those guys. But OU at least had, you know, the state of Texas right next door. Like, I feel like that is a transition in recruiting that they're going to be pretty well equipped to make. Texas, not so much. Like, this is not a game that they've historically had to play or even necessarily wanted to play. So what they're going to have to do is one of two things. They're either, A, going to have to dominate in-state recruiting on a Mac Brown-like level. And I don't know if that's possible anymore. Or B, they're going to really have to figure out how to turn themselves into much more of a national recruiting operation from what I've seen. I don't follow these things as closely as I used to, but that's mm -hmm. going to be the question about like how they hold up and where they go. And I don't think where both of them stand currently in terms of us evaluating them as programs is I think we're still figuring out how good each coach is as head coach. I think we're still figuring it out with uh, Sarkeesian. And look, they had a really, really impressive win over a team that none of us thinks is that good, but yeah. also against a team that no one else has beaten. Right. We don't know what that means. And then for OU, we're just, hey, figuring it out, seeing how it goes. You guys kind of stuck yeah. last year. It's yeah. a lot better. Wonder how far that'll roll. Like, that's right. where we are. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny, too, because, like, I kind of saw what was coming last year in this game because I remember you texted me the day after, like, so, man, have you recovered? And I was like, well, like – I mean, I guess it, it sucked like having to sit there and watch it because I had to write something about it. I mean, how do you write about that? Like, oh, you kind of laid there and, and waited for the game to end, you know? <laughs> but like, you know, I mean, I I really saw it coming, man. And like, I don't know, they, they've done a pretty remarkable kind of like 
like turnaround. I mean, you know, just, just looking at it from the outside. I mean, uh, so, I, you know, I don't know. I just, uh, it's hard to figure out kind of where they're heading. I mean, what do you think about Venables? Like, is he in and over his head? Um, I don't think he's in over his head. Like, I think it's a little premature to say that. I think it all shook out last year to be worst case scenario. It's one thing to lose your coach, but this crazy transfer portal yeah. world, you also lose, you know, this Mahomes facsimile that you seem to have who jumped in at the Texas game and it was just like, oh, there's your guy. Yeah. Hey, hey, right. <laughs> like, look, look, there's still 100 programs that would love to have Spencer Rattler. And OU was like, thanks, but no thanks, homie. We found what we need. He's right here. You know, mm. so like, I think there was so much that involved in the Riley departure that I'm willing to cut some slack on last year. Starting the years they had this year at least gives me the impression that overwhelmed is probably going just a little bit too far. But I'm the OU job is so weird because it's a really, really difficult job, and we all recognize that. But the truth is we've only seen two people truly be overwhelmed by this job. One of them was an outright Hall of Famer, and the other one was John Blake. Like, everybody <laughs> else is – like, Gary Gibbs wasn't overwhelmed by the job. I think he was more overwhelmed by circumstances than anything else. And right. then you look back at it, and you realize it really wasn't going that bad with Gibbs. It's just that OU was a little bit greedy. It happens. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because, you know, we're, we're at number 18. What's that all about? You know, so yeah. this is a job that, for whatever reason – Guys, get up to speed on it. I think we're going to find out this week how close to "quote unquote" overwhelmed they actually are. Yeah, and you know, I mean, when people start talking about like OU's had has had a lost decade, I mean, look at the '90s. Like, I went back and looked at the terms of OU's probation that they got put on. Oh my god, it was it, no TV for a year, no bowls for two years, and they lost something like. For two years, they lost eight scholarships in each recruiting class. Like, yes. can you imagine now how like how bad that would set a program back? I mean, like it it's no wonder it took like a decade to get over that. Right. It's all like it's really interesting how Nebraska and Colorado ascended to unseen levels yeah. at the time when OU didn't have like they just beat them into the ground. Like you go back and look at the terms of those probations when the NCAA is like, look, we got to do something, right? And that was mm -hmm. back when they had the courage to take somebody off the of TV. Between OU and the Southwest Conference, they were like, we will show you what we can do. <laughs> yeah, Hartley Dykes and whatnot. And everything's yes. just like, oh, man, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that's nuts. But, like, so, okay, let's talk about Sark. I mean, here's a guy that, like, I don't know. I feel like in a lot of ways, the plan is kind of working, right? I mean, he gets on the, the Nick Saban kind of rehabilitation thing, goes through, and he seems like he's copied a lot of the Alabama thing over to Texas. I guess my question is, is like, well, the, it does the Alabama thing, the Nick Saban model, right? Like, does that work at Texas? So it should work, right? And the reason I say this is I look at Alabama and Oklahoma through very similar lenses in the sense that there's no real explanation as to why they're so good, except for the fact that they really, really want to be good. Right. They've got that in place. And then number two, and this part is very, very important, a very organized class of power, whether we're talking about the booster class or the administration, everything else. You kind of got everybody moving in the same direction and making it happen. That is impossible at Texas. Texas just does not work that way. The only guys that ever had the power to get everybody on the program are now dead. 
right? <laughs> it is chaos. It goes everywhere. And the thought when Saban was looking like a possibility to take that job, but they thought they were going to get Mac out of there, is that Saban could be the guy to bring all that stuff in line and keep it together. Like, that's the trickiest part about making Alabama into Texas. But in terms of, like, you should be able to get very similar class of player. Maybe not exactly the same, but a very similar class of player. You should, at least in this Big 12 incarnation, have the talent advantage every time you go out on the field. And the style of play that Alabama has largely hinges upon our guys are better than yours. Yeah. So we really only have to get but so exotic. We get different, we adjust, but we don't have to get so weird with it, right? Like when, oh, you revolutionize things by hiring Leach. Texas would never really feel like they needed to do that sort of thing, right? They, you know, not granted yeah. their best run ever was when they did revolutionize it with the wishbone, but neither here nor there. But they should be able to put together a level of talent where they just feel like we should be able to, we got better players than you all the way out. And that should go. But, I mean, the only thing, Kirby's clearly copied it at Georgia. Yeah. And he's made it work. Jimbo Fisher used a reasonable facsimile of it, though he never admitted out loud at Florida State. <laughs> and we saw it work um, until it didn't. I don't see any reason why you shouldn't be able to do those similar things at Texas, except for some of the inherent limitations of the Texas high school football player. Right. You know, I think the interesting part to watch to me is like Alabama, Georgia. I mean, they're selling, they're selling recruits on you come here, you go through this process and three, four years from now, you're going to get an NFL contract. Right. And yeah. like, that's not something that Texas has been able to lean on. It's not, not that it's not possible, but just, it hasn't happened. Right. And yeah. so like, well, that's the part of like, I wonder where, like where the disconnect is, you know? Well, Texas needs to start selling what would be my response to that Alabama whatever sell. And it's the truth, which is people go to the NFL from everywhere. Yeah. This idea that you have to go to a place for them to find you is such an antiquated notion that implies that not every fucking game is on television. <laughs> the tape is not like readily traded in all of these things like this notion that you got to go those places to get there. The reason Georgia's sending everybody to the NFL right now is because Georgia's getting all these NFL players. That is the reason why they're doing right, this. Yeah. Alabama, they're sending all these guys to the NFL because they're getting a bunch of NFL players. So if I'm Texas, the part that they had to fix, and it really took them about 10 years, and their only kind of fixing it was, the and Georgia had to do this too, which was 10 years of not sending any linemen to the NFL. Like, not yeah. sending any offensive linemen to the NFL. That was the most damning thing about the Mac Brown era, where you got recruits' parents looking Mac in the face saying, I'd never send my kid here because you have no idea how to teach offensive line play. That, to me, was always the biggest problem, and where the thing all fell apart was that they could not win at the line of scrimmage. They, they were just getting mm -hmm. destroyed year after year after year at scrimmage. But you should not have that hard a time. Like, these guys leaving to go play, you know, to go to these other places, you should be able to just sell, look, we got every resource in the world that you could possibly imagine. And then combine that with, well, what Saban's doing over there is no different than what we're doing over here. You should mm -hmm. be able to, at the very least, go back to getting to the best players in the state of Texas. That's the wildest thing to me is they can't get those. Yeah. And you know what, man, that it's, it's, it's the strangest thing too, because like that became the SEC sell too. Like these programs that went over the SEC, they're looking at all the guys on the lines and saying, this is a line of scrimmage league. This is where the best players come to play, especially if you're in the trenches. Like people talk about, oh, well, OU and Texas are going to the SEC for the money or whatever. 
I, I like, no, man. I think it's like they they realize, like, especially looking at how it helped AM, man, they need those dudes and they cannot make that sell without having that patch. Yeah, they're going to the. I, I always thought that the survival mechanism in place for Texas and Texas and Oklahoma and going to the SEC had nothing to do with money and had everything to do with how else are we going to get players? You can yeah. look at what happened the day that Texas A&M jumped into the SEC West and the SEC West came into Texas and nothing was the same. It's not even about how good the players A&M are getting because A&M turned into a much more national recruiting operation and doing a lot more in everyone's favorite no man's land, Arizona, which just yeah. for people who are yeah. not aware, go look at a top, like top players in Arizona list for the last however many years None of them stay in Arizona. They <laughs> Not all one. leave, and they and it produces a decent number of players. It's just a flat out no man's land over there. And so Texas stopped being able to get their own best players. And the thing about recruiting at Texas that I think that people lose sight of, and this is important geography, Texas has to recruit in state because Texas isn't close to anything else. Like outside of the schools in the state of Texas or the places that have population centers. None of them are close to Texas. If you can't get the local guys, everybody basically like farther away than I guess I call it Baton Rouge, they're mm. a flight away. Nobody else is a drive away. You have to get the players in Texas, and there was an outflow, and yeah. that's what they got to fix. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, kind of looking bigger picture here at this particular team, I mean <sighs> – it's crazy. People are talking about Texas winning the national championship this year. I mean, do you think that this team is that good? Outside of that game, again, against a team that we're not sure how good they are, what about this team has said national championship? I have yeah. not seen that. Like, I do see a kind of different level of talent and attitude than we've seen. Like, it doesn't jump off the screen like that must champ year where I imagine even people who didn't root for Texas saw it. Like when you watch that, particularly the second half of that Texas Oklahoma game where Kendall and Arakpo mm -hmm. were just taking turns yeah. running around NFL tackles, right? Trent mm -hmm. Williams, it took 10 years for me to really wrap my mind around the idea that Trent Williams was a really good <laughs> player because I just watched Arakpo give him the business for the entire <laughs> second half. Right. Mm -hmm. But there was, the, the team looked different, right? Like there was a different pop in the way that they played. There were some times in the second half, again, that game against Alabama where I watched, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm seeing it. Like these don't just look like good players. They look like good players that are playing with a different level of focus. But this is also a year where I'd say, I don't know if anybody looks like a national champion so yeah. far. Georgia certainly doesn't look like one. Mm -mm. Um, we'll see. Michigan, you know, seems to be playing the part somewhat reasonably, and we'll see how it goes with them. So on one hand, yeah, I guess they could win a national championship in part because somebody has to, but I don't, I don't feel like I'm looking at a uniquely like good team, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, I think the part that you mentioned though, about nobody looks the part is really kind of where, where I am with this team because I, it's, it's a solid team. I also, I'm still kind of, man, like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not all in on yours either. Like, and it's not, I mean, <laughs> I look at it and it's kind of like, I mean, Sark is so good. I think it's setting up their offense that he just makes it really easy for him, but there's going to be a time when like a team won't make it easy. You know what I mean? They'll make him have to do some stuff on his own. And that's what, that's where I'm looking for. Maybe it's tomorrow. I don't know. Yeah. You was going to get some NFL general manager fired. Don't you worry. Oh goodness. Don't, don't you yes. worry. Like, I mean, and 
and maybe I'm putting too much in that second half against Oklahoma State last year. Where I was just kind of mm-hmm. like, 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 do you have vision problems? Like, legitimately, yeah. do we need to take you down to Lance Crafters? Because this, you're doing things like you can't see. I, mm-hmm. You know, and so I'm not, and I admit, his decision to leave Ohio State is one of the emblematic dumb transfer decisions of this <laughs> of this new era like so let's stop and think about this for a second you jump there early so you can get a bag of cash okay mm-hmm. you can't you lose out on Str- the job to stroud and you're probably going to have to sit at behind stroud for two years okay you know what you would be doing right now you'd be throwing the ball yeah, to no. maybe the best college receiver since larry fitzgerald or andy moss yeah instead much as I like Xavier Worthy, you're throwing the ball to a five foot eleven, 165 pound wide receiver, yeah, yeah. and trying to make like I, 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 God, this is just these times. It's such a dumb thing. Like it's just you don't need three years of film. You just need one. Really, you only need a handful of games. And yeah. that told me this boy makes bad decisions. Yeah. And what's his yeah. weakness on the field? Questionable decision making. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hey, we'll uh, wrap up here in a sec, but hey, you're a, you're a, uh, you're a student of sports history. So uh, today is October 6, 2023. Uh, do you know exactly what happened on this date 30 years ago today? October 6, 1983. 1993. I, 1993. 1993. I actually do not know. Oh man. Little Alan woke up, head to school. Found out in first period social studies that Michael Jordan had retired for the first oh, time. Oh, it was this day. Yep. You know what's wild about that? I didn't really grasp the magnitude of him retiring when he did uh-huh. because it was like, all right, they won three championships. You know, everybody seemed old to me at that time. <laughs> you know, maybe that's just what you do. Like, it's only now that I look at it and be like, wow, that dude just jumped up and was like, no, nah, I'm good. Right. I mean, like, eh, there's nothing that you that could really compare to it, right? Because you got a guy like, like, let's say Barry Sanders, right? Like he retired kind of out of nowhere, right? But right. you get it, like his health and everything like that. The Lions, I mean, the Lions were the Lions, right? Right. I mean, but this is a guy who had so much going for him. I w- I remember being like, like getting to school and be like, that, that's impossible. Like, there's no way this happened, you know? But uh so my, my MJ story last year, right. I'm, I was down in the Bahamas for the holidays sitting there and uh, I'm down the casino at, at night, you know, Jordan comes rolling through with his entourage and everything. He goes back, he's got, you know, he goes back to the VIP area, the VIP area. Right. So pit boss looks at me. He's like, ah, look, man, you know, it's MJ, the goat, you know, I'm like, Oh, he's like, yeah, I used to uh, actually, when I worked over at the Atlantis, I used to deal cards to him all the time. You know, I was like, Oh, I was like, yeah, man, I bet he was a great tipper. Huh? <laughs> Dude just <laughs> looked at me oh, with sir. the most crossed eyes I've ever seen. It just, you just, I can't talk about it. You know? Yeah, no, yeah. no, no. Mike is <laughs> Mike's hilarious. Everything about Michael Jordan is really and truly just Full on hilarious when it gets down to it. Even then, he had the uh, even that you know 2022. He's got the Junkos or whatever. I was just like, oh. <laughs> I just, oh, like I, what I love about Michael Jordan though that is different than any of these athletes that we're going to get from here on out. And we're really going to miss this. He's still regular. 
Like all the stories that people have about encountering Michael Jordan are really kind of right. Like I was at a casino and hey, Michael Jordan, broke. <laughs> yes. you know, like, like, like regular people have stories. I went to play golf with Michael Jordan. I talked some shit, you know, and played golf and Michael Jordan was there. We started talking some shit. The next thing you know, we were putting for money. Yeah, like exactly. they're all, oh, yeah. like, he is a pro like, all these guys grew up like regular people. And so they're still kind of regular where these athletes now are growing up as stars so much younger that they don't have like these regular sorts of occurrences in their lives. Yeah. It's uh it's wild, man. But well, Bo, I've held, I've uh, kept you on here long enough, man, but uh, hopefully we'll be uh, seeing you in maybe a new form at some point soon. Oh yeah. It's a matter of time. It ain't going to be long. All right. That's what I like to hear, man. All right. Well, it, you know, so kind of you to come on, man. And uh, obviously, hopefully we can do it again next year. Hey, man, you got it. You take it easy. All right. Thanks a lot to Bomani Jones for joining us. Uh, keep an eye out maybe for something new coming from him soon, sounds like. And uh, thanks to you all for joining us, too. Please make sure to uh, sign up for our Patreon if you uh, like what you're hearing. Patreon.com slash through the keyhole. And uh, for my other co-host, this is Alan Kenny. Take it easy. <laughs>